You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, I am lucky enough to be joined by Leela. Leela has joined Momentum as the CMO in April 2018 and leads all marketing functions. Previously, she served as the CMO as at Lever, VP of Marketing at OpenTable, Director of Marketing at LinkedIn, earning her MBA from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth. She now also sits on the board of Upwork. Leela, welcome to Marketing News Canada. It's so great to have you. Our listeners are really excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much, Daryl. It's great to be here. So I want to start with a really, really general question and, and help our listeners understand how did you really come to be where you are today? So how did you get into marketing? What's your origin story? Yeah, well, uh, my path to marketing was a little bit accidental, to be honest. I grew up in Scotland, moved to the States, basically to kick off my career. My, my first real job was sales. And that was a great nice. place to spend time, especially as a you know a marketer, just to develop a sense of empathy for my my sales colleagues uh, for down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I went to business school. I intended one path, but came out as a management consultant, which again proved to be a great uh, next step in terms of preparing myself to be a marketer because there were so many transferable skills that come out of management consulting, especially for product marketing, which was my my path in at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And the way I got to LinkedIn was a former colleague of mine at Bain had crossed over to LinkedIn and we kept in touch. And every now and then he'd ping me to see if I had an interest in in various roles. And one day he sent me a product marketing role, which I thought sounded amazing, but I really didn't think I would be qualified having precisely zero years of like real marketing experience. But, (laughs) But, you know, it sort of turns out I was because the skills were transferable from my management consulting days around messaging and doing primary research, both quant and qual and communicating with audiences and really understanding, you know, sort of strategy. So it worked out. So that was my path into marketing. And I've been in marketing ever since, as you said, at various companies, started in product marketing, moved over to content marketing, um, thought leadership, customer marketing, did some acquisition marketing, and then ultimately ending up owning the, the full marketing stack um, at Lever and now at uh, Momentive, which was formerly, your, your, your listeners might know it, uh, formerly as SurveyMonkey. I think they'll definitely recognize the sur- SurveyMonkey over Momentum. So I'm very curious about that. Why the rebrand and why the relaunch has Momentum? SurveyMonkey, you know, I, I run a digital marketing agency myself and I use SurveyMonkey quite a bit, both for internal as well as external. And we recommended it within marketing strategies for the, the research and data collection period for our clients. So love the product. Tell me a little bit about the relaunch and the rebrand. W- why is it and, and um, how's it going? Yeah, it's a very, it's a great question, Daryl, to which I probably have a lengthy answer. So bear with me. Um, Let's hear it. I joined the company, what, just over three years ago now. And for a chunk of that time had been in dialogue with our CEO, Xander, and our president, Tom Hale, uh, about our future direction and uh, the name SurveyMonkey. And principally, well, first, I should back up and say thank you for being a customer and being a user of SurveyMonkey. We love to hear that. SurveyMonkey is a beloved brand and it's a very well-known brand. And we know that from the, the ongoing brand tracking studies that we, we, of course, run at the company. But one of the things that we became aware of as we continued the move up market into the enterprise was that the name SurveyMonkey, while popular also for our customers uh, and for, for those we asked on the outside, triggered words like 
fun and funny and silly mm-hmm. and cute and you know the types of thing that maybe don't tie as neatly with an enterprise story. So we began mm-hmm. the conversation of you know could we emerge in a place where we sort of have our cake and eat it. By which I mean clearly the the product name SurveyMonkey is in our portfolio to stay. It's it's uh, used by you know got twenty million active users globally, tons of SEO value wow. and brand equity built into that brand. And at the same time, we want to continue this journey into the enterprise. So what we decided to do was rebrand the company and uh, carry that new brand momentum forth into our market research solutions, which are being used by some of the most admired brands in the world uh, to help them with their, their, their brand strategies. And uh, in the meantime, we also we have a third brand, Get Feedback, which is now our signature brand for customer experience management. And the, the point of the rebrand was to help our enterprise customers and future customers really understand the breadth and the power of the solutions that sit under this company. Because you hear the name SurveyMonkey and you instantly think easy to use, which is great, online, self-serve. And sort of limited in scope. But the truth is we have organizations all over the world, 9,000 enterprise customers who are using our solutions for these mission critical endeavors that cross customer experience, employee experience, product experience, and then also for brand and market insights. So it was time to tell a different set of stories in the market. And we're really excited to do that under the banner of Momentive while still continuing to market SurveyMonkey. Wow. So if I can paraphrase, the, the survey of a monkey to Momentum was really a growing up, maturing of the brand to be able to open up your audience and your enterprise level users to all of the other services that you do. Because you, you are very accurate there. When I think Survey Monkey, I think fun right away. And as as valuable as that is, the other products and services and technology that yeah, that Momentum now offers is it's much more open by that name and by the rebrand. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we actually had great, I mean, as you can imagine, Daryl, there was a ton of customer feedback that informed our decision. And what's been especially gratifying is hearing back from customers post-rebrand who were celebrating this move because they've long known that the power is there. But in some cases, they've been unable to actually sign with us and go forward with us because of that that perception, right? You don't you don't pay five or six figures for fun necessarily. Um, but yeah. we love fun. We, we Again, we really are uh, excited to keep SurveyMonkey at the heart of the portfolio while we continue that move up market. I would love to hear more about some of the product innovation that you were mentioning. What of your products and specifically of the innovation of them are you most excited about? And can you tell me a little bit more about why you're excited about it? Absolutely. And this was something, uh, Daryl, that was really important in this rebrand. And I, I'm careful to, I'm careful when I use the rebrand because in some ways that implies, you know, fresh logo and coat of paint, if you will. This move actually went way beyond that because it was an opportunity for us to, in effect, relaunch the company and really frame up what we offer in a very, very different manner. Uh, so when you go to our, our new website, which is momentive.ai, and then, you know, that AI choice was very deliberate because what you'll see is that this set of solutions, and we have over 40 different solutions that you can find in our solutions marketplace. Wow. They fall into the five categories that I mentioned earlier. So customer experience, uh, employee experience, product experience, brand insights, and market insights. And each of those solutions is underpinned by what we call our AI-powered platform. Now, this is another moment of realization for the market, hopefully, because again, when you think mm-hmm. SurveyMonkey and you think fun and cute and so forth, you don't necessarily think about artificial intelligence and machine learning. No. The reality is, you know, we've been in business for 21 years. We've had 55 
billion questions answered on our platform. And that means that we're pretty uniquely positioned. Yeah. And it's, it's just this, it's this treasure trove of insight. And that has really helped us and our clients to run higher quality research. We were able to pull that machine learning into the product so that customers can write higher quality surveys, that they can get higher quality results, but then also use that to train our algorithms and our products so that we can automate insights coming out of the research that they're doing and cut to the so what, uh, so that those analytics become more and more powerful. So that really is, you know, that AI engine sits at the core of all of our solutions across the portfolio. And we're really, really excited to continue investing in AI and doing AI right in a way that feels ethical and helps move us all forward. I love the .ai move. That's that, that's genius. And definitely right away, it feels very different than typing in their previous URL that I would have used. I'm curious, this question just, just it's coming to mind as you talk through some of the solutions and your approaches. As a, as, a, as a digital marketer myself, when I think about how I collect more of the, I guess, the fun polling options and questions that social media platforms offer uh, and the constant innovation of that, you know, something I preach to my team all the time is, you know, UGC is one of the most valuable pieces of output that marketing campaign can do if approached the right way. When you think about how Momentum and what, 20 million responses, did, did you say that? Was that the number? 55 billion. Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, 55 billion responses. And you think about the way that you've innovated your data collection and the way that you were able to get those answers. And you think about social platforms. Is there something in the future where where Momentum does tie in to some of the APIs that social platforms have within the way that they ask questions to their audiences? Or, or how have you guys maybe taken inspiration from, from the way that social platforms pull their audiences and integrate into your products? So yeah. I'm very curious to hear that. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So first, I mean, you can obviously deploy a survey. We we provide you with different ways to deploy a survey and different channels through which you can you can publish a survey, whether that's just sharing a URL online or doing different doing different things. And we do have some integrations that are available to help you manage that seamlessly. I think one of the exciting things, Daryl, when I talk about the AI and the way that we've been able to bring mm-hmm. that to bear in our products is our sentiment analysis, which to your point, you know, UGC is incredibly powerful. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the caveat being that at some point somebody has to crunch the, the data, right? And figure out what it's saying. And one of the things we're really proud of is the accuracy, relative accuracy of our sentiment analysis. And we see this time and again, when you deploy a survey and you can actually look and build the word cloud and understand the sentiment positive through negative, to, uh, uh, through neutral and, um, get a sense for how something is being received. Clearly that's something that becomes really relevant in social, where you're often of just trying to make sense of the just the deluge of information. And so if we can find ways to bring that, the power and the accuracy of that sentiment analysis to bear on data in these different places, then I think that's going to be a win-win for the market. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for sharing. I want to shift our conversation to a little bit about how this last year specifically due to COVID-19 has been not only from you looking at your teams, but also looking at the the, the marketing industry in general people being able to answer questions offline or interact with brands offline, data collection offline was basically undoable for an entire year. In some countries, faster recovering than others. Let's start with Momentum. How did your team change the way that you operate during this work from home period, during COVID-19 and how it affected societies and industries across the world? What was the shift that you saw and, and how did you deal with it? 
Yeah. So like many other organizations, the shift was immediate and staggering in terms of just the, you know, going from being in the office one day and, you know, we've had, we've had an office centric culture in the past and then the next Mm -hmm. day flipping the switch to be work from home. So we all went through that together as a society. Um, What I think it meant from a marketing standpoint, first off was hopefully if you're doing marketing right and if if internal comms is part of your purview as it is for mine at Momentive, you're already working closely with the HR people team. That relationship got way tighter and uh, Mm -hmm. way more interlaced, I would say, in the last year because whether you were strong or not in the area of internal communications, that suddenly came to the fore, I think, for marketing leaders around the world. And so I found that we were having to think really creatively with our people team on, for example, our internal events, like our all hands and rotating in guest speakers and trying to mix things up and keep things creative, but also just thinking in general about how we use the various communication channels that we had to keep in touch with our workforce and help them feel comfortable. Also understand what they were going through because it's sort of, and it's in some ways it's hard to, it's hard to remember now just the roller coaster that we were on in Q2 through Q3 of last year where everything was new and shifting and uncertain. But one of the things that we, mm-hmm. we did and we, you know, we, we practiced what we preach basically, which was constantly checking in with our workforce through quick pulse surveys to better understand how they were feeling, what their biggest challenges were, uh, you know, two or three weeks apart. And we saw, for example, that people's concern about the around coronavirus maybe dipped a little bit over time, but their concern about social isolation, on the other hand, was ticking up as, mm. uh, as they got deeper and deeper into the pandemic. So it was keeping an eye on those trends within our workforce and making sure that we thought ahead to how we could help our teams really continue to stay engaged and connected through that. I think that was one of the bigger developments, if you will, of the last uh, last 15 months. And now, of course, as we, as we hopefully, fingers crossed, are coming out on the other side of all of this, there's a lot of talk about the great resignation and the how just how talent is unsettled and uh, unsure of what's next and opting out of the workforce in some cases to take a break and so forth. It remains really important to lean into that that employee dialogue. And so this is an area where, you know, classically people teams have played a, 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 the driving role in this, but I found that marketers and the marketing organization, especially on the internal comm side, were getting really, really involved with that. So that's kind of like, like one big bucket of stuff. A second bucket I would say is just when I think about the talent on our team, as I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, we historically had been in more headquarters and uh, office centered culture. And clearly, we've shown over the last 15 months that people can do great work and be productive from virtually anywhere. And what that meant for us in uh, as we hired last year and continue to hire is we relaxed the guidelines that we'd had before. We now, you know, in addition to hiring in places where we have offices like Ottawa and Portland and so forth, we're also hiring mm-hmm. in a, just a really broad distribution of uh, cities across North America and beyond. So, you know, I've got people on the marketing team today in Indiana, Boston, Ohio. These were locations where we hadn't hired before. And that's been a really positive development. We've got an enclave in Atlanta, for example, and a couple others in Raleigh, North Carolina, like me. And it's just really opened up a different set of talent pools. It's enabled us to diversify uh, the thought and the creativity and uh, all of the inspiration flooding into our, our marketing team. So those are, those are you know, two kind of talent-oriented ways in which I saw the pandemic really, really impact us. Thanks for sharing. How, how big, I'm curious, how big is your marketing team? How big is your team? We're a little over a hundred folks now. I think we're about 110. Wow. 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about, you know, when you said the, the time period where the, all the updates are coming so fast and fierce and you didn't know what the next step stood for. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. I have about, you know, eight people on my team from a senior leadership perspective and having to navigate just our small team versus what is a, a massive team on your end and how to change the, the culture and the expectations there. It was no small feat. And I'm glad to, like you said, you know, we're coming out the other end of it and, and understanding where the talent pool lies and where we can maybe take advantage of that and, and start looking. Yeah. My hope, my hope Daryl, is that we don't forget the growing that we just did as people leaders over the last 15 months. Like we're going to need that going forward uh, because Absolutely. the workplace is forever changed. So you, you know, you and I and all these other leaders that went through that journey, this is, you know, really important that we retain that knowledge and build on it in future, future cycles. Yeah, taking that conversation, representing that to to some people that may not feel the same way, I totally agree. Because I think what will end up happening if you don't don't do that is you'll end up pushing away talent and creating barriers to working with some of the best people in the market. And obviously, no one wants that. I'm curious to hear a little bit more. I want to switch a little bit, switch gears a little bit, and hear about hear about you a little bit more here. So, in your time in marketing, what have you seen over the last 10, 20 years as the biggest watershed moments within marketing spends and how people as, a, as someone who sits at the head of a marketing team that that takes information to help recommend marketing spends for companies i guess your clients at the enterprise level what have you seen as some of those biggest watershed moments um, when it comes to marketing spends and and approaches during your time in marketing oh wow that's a it's a big question daryl so let me let me think about that well you know, I don't know. Marketing's always been data-driven, of course, but clearly the technology that's available to us today is very different than it was 20 years ago, let's just say, mm-hmm. uh, even 10 years ago, right? So so clearly marketers are leaning into measurement and metrics and, you know, we've seen the rise of marketing operations alongside revenue ops and, you know, there's just, there's a lot more of a critical eye being cast on the funnel, for example, and we have the tools and the technology, you know, in theory, at least to be able to measure that. I think one of the things coming out of COVID, however, was we learned very abruptly last year that if your marketing is not relevant, if you are not adding value to your prospect and your customer, it doesn't matter what technology you're using, you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And so I think one thing that's been really gratifying to me as a marketer to see as we come back out of the, the pandemic is that I think the quality of marketing has improved and it's the substance. And if you can combine that sort of great substantive great content, engaging events. Um, We're seeing a lot of this in the enterprise, of course, as people lean into account-based strategies and really thinking about how do you surround an account and build the right account plan to, you know, get through and resonate with that, with that customer, right? You have to be really relevant, really specific, adding value. And, you know, if, if you can underpin that with great technology, then I think you, you know, you hit that home run. So it's just been really interesting I'd say over the course of the 20 years to see the, the interplay between the art and the science it continues to evolve. The science continues to get better. But I think at some point you can get wrapped around the axle of pursuing perfection and the false precision that you get is just not, it's not valuable, right? You can tell very quickly from the reaction from your, your prospects and customers, whether you're, you're getting through or not. So I just love to see tech and art kind of coming together to result in great marketing. Totally agreed. So when you talk about that, that trending, I, was, I guess it's not really a trend. Data has always been integral to an effective marketing a campaign. But you, you know, you sit at the head of again one of the one of the companies that does it best, 
take data, package it in a way with machine learning in a way to make it relevant to your enterprise clients. So what kind of what kind of trends are you seeing in marketing and brands that you love to follow? Where yeah. do you think this evolution is going to go? Yeah, well, I say this in part because we've just been through a very significant rebrand, relaunch of a company. But I mm-hmm. will say, if you look around the landscape over the last 18 months or so, there's been quite a lot of rebranding. And I think the reason for that is that uh, marketing leaders are now starting to tap into the, the insights that can help them understand their brand. And, you know, I, wearing my B2B marketing hat, I often hear this almost fixation with uh, demand generation, bottom of funnel, like how are we getting the leads and the MQLs and the pipeline in? But most educated marketers now will you know, embrace the fact that you have to be thinking full funnel in your approach. And if you're not seeing enough action at the bottom of the funnel, it's probably because you haven't invested enough in thinking about storytelling and that top of funnel to stimulate the interest. So I think we have seen this period of marketers almost growing up and stepping back and reflecting on that full funnel and realizing because they can now track brand fairly effortlessly, they can understand brand loyalty, brand sentiment, how they fare versus competitors, how they're perceived on a variety of attributes that matter to them. They can understand where they need to invest to change that. So I think that's the exciting part is now you know, broadening the lens of how marketers think so that it does encompass that full funnel, that full journey, and making sure that you invest enough in your brand and understanding that brand in order to drive better uh, low, lower funnel performance. I wish I could have you on a call with with a lot of my prospective leads to kind of cover that so beautifully as you just did. <laughs> I feel that uh, when when I try to explain that that way, I, I often get frustrated with with some of the conversations I have because it just I feel like that I'm barking up the wrong tree and and uh, like you said, the focus is just on that bottom funnel and um, it's very very tough to understand why are we seeing the results here when we're not investing at the top and and generating with the right storytelling. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So in your time at your different companies and, and encountering multiple agency leaders and, and brand leaders, I think your, your, your insight is so valuable. So what, what is a big piece of advice that you could give to brands today, marketing teams at those brands? And, and yeah. what about agencies? So let's start okay. with brands first. So what is the biggest yeah. advice you could give to brands? Well, if I step back and think about other macro trends that we've encountered over the last 18 months. One, of course, is the rise of social justice and really thinking about mm-hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion and, mm-hmm. and you know embracing that as a real issue that every organization needs to be thinking about. We've run the research that shows that the majority of people actually want their companies speaking up on topics. And my advice to marketing leaders, leaders in general, really, is that your insides need to match your outsides. And by that, I mean, we've seen a lot of brands speaking up in favor of and to to champion diversity, equity, inclusion, and that's great. But your current employees had better see that as a real lived experience at your organization. Hmm. So you need to, you kind of need to show up or shut up in my opinion. So it's sort of like, you know, marketing being the tip of the spear and the, the way that the outside world encounters you and understands what's important to your company, that's all great, but you really do have to match that with the behavior that accompanies that worldview, if you will. So that's that's the thing I would say to marketers. And I, you know, again, you know, is that purely a marketing topic? No, that's an issue that I think about in concert with our chief diversity and social impact officer, with our chief people officer, with our CEO, like we all, you know, and, and beyond, right? Every leader has to be thinking about this. And so it's just really important to Know how you have a have a, a sense of your company point of view that is backed up by by company behavior. I was just going to agree with you. Like it, I think your employees are going to be the first ones to expose you if if you're shifting right. your marketing and all your outgoing communication to be about different topics like like political topics or social justice or diversity topics, and then your employees don't see it and, and feel it and live it put up or shut up, or you're going to get exposed there. And that's great advice. So sorry, I interrupted you. What about what about agencies? Yeah. What kind so of for, advice could you give? For agencies, I, I mean, back to what I said around marketers thinking about their, their clients and prospects. You have to be thinking about how you can add value. And for agencies, you know, I, I think you're, it's really incumbent on you, especially when you're working with, with clients that are perhaps less sophisticated around uh, areas like brand. It's incumbent on you to bring those insights to the table. And you can be a great partner for your clients if you... Uh, run after that opportunity. And the good news is it's never been easier to run you know, fast, agile, high-quality research to get those brand insights about your client and their competitors through the eyes of the people that they care about, like their customers. So I definitely encourage agencies to lean into that opportunity. We can, of course, help with that if you don't have a, a resource uh, lined up to, to help with that. And the agility is key, right? In our framing, we talk about agile experience management. That's what we do. And you know, well, another thing that we saw in the last 18 months is, is the importance of speed and agility, right? You have to be able to move quickly in the right direction. You have to be able to flex with market conditions. And we are able to bring insights back to our clients in hours or days, not, not weeks or months. So definitely uh, ping me if I can ever help you or if our teams can help you to bring that value to your clients. I think our, 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 a large part of our audience is going to, that's going to resonate really strongly with them. Uh, as, as a lot of agency owners do listen to, uh, to our channel, that's great advice. Um, 
I want to talk about the future a little bit here and, and your future specifically. So how are you thinking about the future of work at, at Momentum? Yeah, another important question, Daryl. First off, that, that remote hiring that I mentioned earlier, the ability to open up talent pools in different, in different places, that will continue, in my opinion. And, and to your point, companies that close their minds uh, and their, their channels to that are probably going to lose out on some, some terrific talent. So that's a decision that we've already made at Momentive. And I credit uh, Becky, our chief people officer, for leading the charge in thinking about the future of work at our organization and what that will entail. Unsurprisingly, we did get a ton of feedback from our employees in thinking through how we would want to set up for future. And it just became apparent when we asked them whether they would prefer to be full-time in the office or have some sort of hybrid working model or even be fully remote, uh, that there was a difference of opinion. There's no one size that fits all for our workforce today. And so that led us down the path of creating what we call the choice model, where we are asking every employee at Momentive, including the executive team, which of those three models are most uh, appropriate for them going forward. Do they want to be fully in the office? Do they want to be hybrid? Do they want to be fully remote? And I'm the walking test case because I just moved to Raleigh, North Carolina a month ago because my family and I are opting to be fully remote. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But that is uh, something that, again, we, we're just embracing the, the here and now and the, the, the fact that people are looking to have more flexibility in their, their schedules and the way they work. And I'm thinking of ways that we can even use your technology to poll and, and make sure that our employees and, and you know, employees across other brands that that have that option to answer truthful and honestly to be able to uh, implement change and implement frameworks. That's, that's, that's so great to hear. I'd love to move on to our, our rapid fire question round. So these are gut answers. I want them okay. raw. I want them, uh, I want that to, to hear what, what you're, you're, you're saying without thinking. They're very easy, but it gives our listeners a, a good opportunity to kind of feel like they get to know you a little better from some of these questions. So what was your first job? My first paying job was babysitting. First paying job. What was your worst job? Believe it or not, I worked in a liquor store in Scotland for about three weeks and it was mind numbing. <laughs> I thought you were going to follow up with babysitting right after. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have three kids. So, uh, you know, obviously babysitting didn't put me off uh, children that much. <laughs> you were training. Um, what, what's a business or marketing book that you could recommend to our listeners? Oh, wow. Well, I love Setting the Table by Danny Meyer the fam- uh, celebrated restaurateur. And I also have had the chance to meet Danny Meyer in my life. Oh, wow. and he's, just, he's just a wonderful human being. I had the chance to interview him at our all hands at, at Open Table back on, he was one of time's most influential people that year. And it was just such a wow. such an honor to speak to such a gentleman who thinks so deeply about customers and experiences and employees. So it was uh, probably a precursor for me getting into the experience management category, if you will. <laughs> Of course. Did you get him to sign your book? I need to go check, actually, Daryl. I'm not sure. <laughs> he might have. That's great. Um, what's, a, what's a life hack that you'd be willing to share with our audience? A life hack? Oh, geez. Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, cut your commute to zero if you can. And then secondly, this is from you know also coming from a former LinkedIn employee. When you reach out to connect to somebody on LinkedIn, always include a quick note of context when you make that request. And there are two reasons for that. Number one, People are likely to likelier to accept if you are at least giving them some reason to connect with you. And then secondly, years from now, 
when you're looking them up and, you know, something for some reason, you will know why you connected to them because that note will stay attached to their profile. So you'll be able to see that you met them at such and such a conference or at, uh, you know, a meetup or whatever it happened to be. Great piece of advice. I get so many LinkedIn cold messages that that are written in such poor matters that it's good to hear that, you know, you think that that would be really effective in reaching out. What is a podcast you recommend to our listeners? I listen fairly religiously to Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Nice. I catch nice. the daily when I can. And then a couple of marketing ones, actually. I like uh, Dave Gerhard has a, a DGMG podcast and then Drew Nicer's uh, Renegade Thinkers, I think it's called. Those are Those are good ones as well. What is a newsletter or a website that you could recommend to our listeners that you pull rec- that you pull resourcing or inspiration from? Oh gosh, that's a good question. You know, we've just been through a year of membership at the ANA, which was actually a really rich and incredibly diverse set of resources. So you think about all the different roles that sit within marketing. Like that's one of the things that is so brilliant and fun uh, about marketing. There, you know, you can look at product marketing, you can look at digital marketing, you can look at brand, there are all these different facets. And hmm. what we found was that for the team, because we had a we had a membership there, there was something for everybody. <laughs> so that would be, I guess, one one tip would be to check out the ANA. Got it. And this one was a question I added during uh during our conversation today. So what's your favorite restaurant? You've 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 had the the benefit of being able to work at open table. So I want to be able to tap into that experience. Well I recently had a dining experience at Lazy Bear in San Francisco. It's a, uh, I think it's two star Michelin restaurant, and it oh, wow. it was an experience. It was it was one of my most favorite experiences in life, let alone dining experience. And it's sort of hard to explain, but if you look at it's lazybearsf.com, you can check it out. It is it is uh, quite something. I'm trying to book a reservation right now. It's, it's booked up. <laughs> it's, it. it's actually not that it's not that easy. So you have to join their mailing list. And then once you're on the email list, I think it's every Tuesday or something, they will let you know when they have spots available opening up for the next period. Uh, Now, the good news is it was, it was for, once you knew that that was like a 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, it was, it was actually relatively straightforward to get a spot. But uh, if you just go to the website, you will not see availability. Well, thank you so much for for your time today and sharing from your diverse background. Definitely a pedigree that I'm I'm very jealous of and I wish that I can, you know, looking back from in, in my career that I'd be able to say I worked at some of the, the companies that you have. Thank you for the advice. Thank you for all of the approaches and solutions you're providing our listeners. And Definitely sounds like this rebrand and the relaunch, uh, which isn't just shiny paint, it's technology focused, solutions focused. It does hold a lot of exciting updates and news for you and your team in the future. So thank you so much for for your time today and really appreciate talking to you. Of course, Daryl, it's been a pleasure. And if I can help you or any of your listeners at any time, just let me know. I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn, it turns out. Thank you, Leela. Take care. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.